So, if, yeah, if you just want to use a pulpit or... I, I'm on now? Okay, very good. One of the ways that God shows us himself, of course, is through his word. And so it's our privilege now to open his word together and to reflect on that. And I just pray the Lord is going to speak. We need to hear from him today. Amen. Amen. And, and God is going to speak. And it may surprise us how he comes and how he shares with us. So I invite you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19 in your scriptures. It will also be on the, uh, the uh, screen in behind me. And let's, let's look into God's word today. In fact, let's, let's just pray this prayer together. Would you join me in this prayer? Lord, this is your word to me today. May it be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Help me to hide this word in my heart that I might not sin against you. May I pray it in. Read it through. Live it out and pass it on. Amen. Amen. Getting here with verse 1 in 1 Kings 19. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then laid down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Oreb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. 
Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Heziel, king of Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Heziel. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bound down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Wow, may God add his blessing to his word. Be seated. One time a professor had a class full of freshmen from all over the world and he asked them, what is the opposite of joy? Well, one gal from China raised her hand meekly and said, I think the opposite of joy is sadness. And the professor said, that's right. You are absolutely right. And then he said, what is the opposite of depression? And the guy from France raised his hand and said, oh, the opposite of depression, I think, is elation. And the professor said, you are absolutely correct. And then he asked this question. He said to his class, what is the opposite of woe? A guy from Texas raised his hand and said, well, I guess the opposite of woe would be giddy up. (laughs) Giddy up. Woe is what I'm experiencing right now. Some of you should have laughed at that joke and you're not helping me. Come on. I work hard at these things every every week. It's my birthday. You got to be nice to me, right? Laugh. Laugh when you're supposed to. We have, uh, we've been looking at the ministry of the prophet Elijah these last few weeks. And last Sunday, uh, we saw that Elijah experienced what was one of the most dramatic moments in all of the Old Testament when we saw the fire fall at Mount Carmel in this great victory that Elijah experienced over and against the prophets of Baal, over 850 of them. You remember this. But what happens next in Elijah's life is, I think, completely instructive and very interesting. After he has this great experience, this great victory, this amazing supernatural work of God, Elijah begins to experience one of the deepest lows of his life. Now, I want to just backtrack for a second here because to kind of remind you where we've come. We've, we've met King Ahab. You'll remember that, that, that King Ahab is the king of Israel and he was the 19th consecutive evil king of Israel. In fact, scripture tells us that he had done more evil than all those who had come before him. But we also have seen that Ahab is a rather weak person. We'll talk more about this next week, but the real power, if you will, behind the throne is his wife, King Queen Jezebel, and she hates Elijah. In verse 2, we read that she sends Elijah a message that left no uh, thing, uh, nothing uncertain, that by this time tomorrow, she was going to make him a dead man. And verse 3 simply tells us this, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, to be honest with you, when I read that passage, I found myself a bit confused. After all God had done for Elijah, 
We've, we've studied this over these last few weeks. Think about how God had provided for him in the wilderness, feeding him from the, the ravens and, and, and providing the brook even in the midst of a drought. How God had, had provided him in the uh, ministry of the widow and even answered God's or, or Elijah's prayer to raise the dead. Wouldn't you think after all this great victories that, that Elijah is still afraid? Then one day, this silly woman all of a sudden says, I'm going to kill you, and this mighty man of God freaks out. He, he panics and runs for his life. What we see here is he is afraid. Why is he afraid? Listen, one of the things that I so appreciate about Elijah is I have come to appreciate the fact that you have this spiritual man who goes through a crisis of faith. And this helps me because I realize as much as I trust God, there are moments in my life, and I suspect that there are moments in your life when you too will face a challenge of faith, perhaps even the challenge of depression. As I read this scripture, what occurs to me is that Elijah shows us a simple and easy way to get depressed. If you ever wanted to experience depression, Elijah gives us a four-step clear pattern to get there. And I want you to look at that this morning. I want you to think about how Elijah got to the lowest of lows. Look at verses 3 and 5. Now, I think this is very, very interesting, very instructive. I'll just read it again. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, prayed that he might die. He says, I have had enough. Take my life, Lord. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Now, what's interesting here is this. He's just had this great victory And now he's praying his life would end. He prays, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lays down under the bush and falls asleep. How do you get depressed? Well, Elijah gives us four easy steps. Step number one is this. Let's do what Elijah did. Number one, notice that he is just worn out. You want to get depressed... Wear yourself out. If you think about it, Elijah is just exhausted. He had just faced this intense battle on Mount Carmel against all of these prophets, against the royalty and power of Israel. And physically then, after this great victory, and we didn't talk about this, but there is this scene when the rain comes, and after this major victory, the prophet Elijah beats a chariot in a race. He is just physically running all the time. And now we see him running again. And geographically, he couldn't have gone any farther than he did. He runs to the very southern tip of Israel. And then he leaves his servant and runs another day's journey into the desert. He is physically, emotionally, and spiritually exhausted. Much like Some of you this morning. Some of you wonder, why am I depressed? I would suggest you're worn out. 
You are constantly running. Elijah had been working for God. Now, I, I, I really can understand this a bit. I, you know, I'm up here on a Sunday for 25 minutes or so. Some of you think it's longer, but it's only about 25 minutes. And, and, and when I'm done, I feel like I, I've been in a battle for days. And I'm done. Put a fork in me. I'm finished. And, and I've told you before that my wife doesn't like to drive with me after Sunday morning service because I'm just not there. Yet we may or may not get home. I get lost just because my brain begins to kind of fog up and, and shut off. Some of you know what that experience is like. I, I know some mothers, you're, you're working a full-time job taking care of the house, putting dinner on the table, carting kids all over creation. You're involved in every group at school, involved in the church, and you're wondering, why am I depressed? I see this with students. You're working and going to school. And you've got those pressures on you about what am I going to do with my life, a career, or whether or not I'm going to get married. You're not sleeping right because that's, that's, that's what young people do. They stay up too late. Or you're not eating right because, well, that's what young people do. We eat cheese tots and sheets and go do, do things like that. Some of you are are just working and maybe you're kind of middle-aged where, where I am at this point and you're taking care of your kids and getting them through college and then you're taking care of your parents. And it's not so much just physical exertion, it's just pressure. I'm responsible. How is this all going to get done? And I've got to be the provider. And so there's all of this stuff going on and it's ever there before you. And before you go to bed, you pray about it, but it's still there at night and you maul over it and you lose sleep and you are just totally exhausted. You're worn out. Step one to depression. Number two, first is step step one, wear yourself out. But number two is shut people out. Did you notice what Elijah does? His closest friend and confidant would have been his servant. And Elijah says, listen, you stay here and I'm going to go further. If you are going to take another step toward depression, a great way to do that is to begin to shut people out. Tell them, you know what, I'm okay. I I really don't need you. And, and, And quite honestly, that's a lot of what a lot of us do when we're overwhelmed. We're we're like, I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going through because if I did, you wouldn't understand anyway. So we put up a wall and we start to push people away. I hate to say it, but that's what I do when I'm worn out. When I'm hurting, I just put up a wall. I want to be alone. I'm going to have to deal with this myself. I can get through it. So so you want to get depressed, do what Elijah did. Wear yourself out and shut people out. Are you with me? Number three seems this. Notice how Elijah focuses on the negative. 
Now, here is a man of God. He has experienced some of the greatest victories in the Old Testament. But Elijah says, listen, I have had enough. I am no better than my ancestors. Now, remember Elijah, if if you were with us that first week, Elijah is from the hills. And I kind of imagined him almost as a a hillbilly. He's speaking with a funny accent. His family has never done anything. And he says, listen, I'm never going to amount to anything. Listen, nothing's changed. Ahab and Jezebel are still in charge. I'm a wanted man. They've got me posted on every post office in in the country. And so what we see here is this man lets self-pity take over. And what does self-pity do? It exaggerates. I'm never going to be any good. I'm always going to be stuck right here in life. My life is never going to get any better. I'm never going to get into that school. or I'm never going to get that promotion. My kids will never come to Christ. I'm never going to get out of debt. My marriage is never going to improve. And we wonder, why am I so depressed? Elijah's focused on the negative. So we've seen three steps. And I think that leads us to the fourth step toward full on out depression. And it's this. I think Elijah forgets God. This spiritual man. Forgets God. This is what's so amazing about Elijah. All the supernatural protection, all the testimony of supernatural provision, all the feeding him, the water at the brook, the raising the dead, the fire from heaven. This man who so powerfully prayed that God would raise the dead is now praying that his life would be taken. And he says, oh God, you're not coming through for me. And listen, when we forget God, we can say goodbye to peace. When you look back at God's faithfulness in your life, and I promise you this, when you look back at God's faithfulness in your life, you'll find that he was your strength. You'll find that he did comfort. You'll find that he did provide everything I needed. But in that moment, when I am depressed, my brain begins to shut down. And when I'm down, I forget the faithfulness of God. And so we have these four easy steps to depression. Wear yourself out, shut people out, focus on the negative, and just forget God. I wonder this morning if anyone fits that category here today. Maybe you're hopeless. Maybe it seems rather dark. I'm glad you're here because there is a good news. The good news is this, that God wants to speak to you. We find here that Elijah is in hiding. He's lost his hope. He wants to die. I want you to notice that that God sends an angel. And I want you to notice that that while God does some things, I want to, for a second here, focus on what God, God does not do. Notice that God does not send an angel with a sermon. 
Isn't that interesting? There's no rebuke here. There's no angel here saying, shame on you. The angel doesn't say, oh, Elijah, if you only had more faith and you quit acting like a baby. We don't have any of that. All he says to Elijah is this. He says, get up and eat and get some rest. It's very interesting that the very first part of God's answer to depression is eat and rest. I'm a big fan of food. I, uh, you may have figured that out. But, you know, if you study the life of Elijah, you begin to realize how much of a theme food is and how God is always providing Elijah with food. And so Elijah ate and drank, and then he laid down again, eat and rest. Now, I want you to hear me because you're not going to expect this from a preacher. As a pastor, we are always encouraging you to sign up for this or volunteer for that, to convince you to, to join that study or do that group. But I've come to learn that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is rest. For some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is not go to another meeting, not join another study, but the most spiritual thing you can do is learn to rest. In fact, I think one of the most disobeyed commands of Scripture today in our world, even in the church, is that people don't rest. We don't practice the Sabbath. We've got this to do and that to do. Sometimes, listen, it doesn't matter if the house is clean or the clothes are dirty or the lawn isn't mowed. The, the angel of the Lord comes to Elijah, provides him some food, and lets him take a nap. And so Elijah, who is praying to die, but God comes and begins to give him life. And what I see is that God didn't just hear Elijah's prayer. God knew Elijah's heart. And God knows your heart, my friend. Then I want you to notice that this angel comes a second time. Verse 7 and 8 describes it this way. It says, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain, the mountain of God. So Elijah is given food, he rests some more, and then he is strengthened physically, and we are told that he goes to Mount Horeb. Now, there is a lot to say here, but most of you know that mountain by another name, don't you? It's Mount Sinai. Does that ring a bell? In, the, in other words, this is the mountain where God spoke to Moses and gave him the Ten Commandments. Now, again, there's a whole lot I could unpack here. But basically what I want you to see this morning is if you want to get out of depression, eat and rest and go to the place where God is. I love this. Go to a place where you will experience God. Go to a place where you will hear God speak. So we as, as human beings, we need to rest. 
But we also need to come to a place, and I think for that, for our day, God has given us the church to come and hear God's truth. Where God's truth then can begin to replace the lies that we believed. Some people will say to me, Jeff, I, I don't need the church. I, I can study the Bible by myself. Which is proof, by the way, that they're not studying the Bible very well. Because if they did, they'd want to be right here with us together. Elijah goes to this cave on the mountain there where God is. And I love this question that God asks. He says, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, God is not surprised Elijah has come here physically. God knew where Elijah was. He didn't lose track of him. You remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve had their fall, that the Lord comes in the garden and he asks Adam the question, Adam, where are you? Now, God knew exactly where they were. It was a question that they themselves needed to answer. This is a question that Elijah needs to answer. What are you doing here, Elijah? God wants Elijah to verbalize the things that he is believing right now. What are you doing here, Elijah? And in verse 10, he replies, this way, he says, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. That's true. But keep listening. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. That's true. That, they've broken down your altars. That's true. And your prophets put to death with a sword. That's true. And then he says, I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me. Now, wait a second here. I am the only one left. That's false. Listen, I've been doing all the work. I'm the only one who can get it done. That's false. I'm the only one who cares. That's false. You see, Elijah is taking more responsibility than is actually his. He had done what God had asked him to do, but Elijah had this idea that he was supposed to do everything. There's no one who cares like I do. Everybody depends on me. I'm all alone. Now God will eventually in this story counter that and we'll see that Elijah had 7,000 other people in Israel who were praying. Don't believe the lies. You're not the only one, Elijah. Let, Let me ask you this morning. What are the lies that you believe. You might think that you are alone. I want to tell you, you have a church family that cares about you. You have a church family that wants to help you and give you support and encouragement. You might think you're alone. That's a lie. There's a Holy Spirit who wants to come and comfort you and direct you. It's one of the reasons we so desperately need to come to church, to be a part of this family, so we can hear the truth. Now, the third thing we see, and again, this is so meaningful to me, God speaks in a still, small voice. God comes and through the angel says, eat and rest. He comes to a place where he goes and sees God and he replaces the lies with truth. 
And then notice how God speaks in a still, small voice. Now, when we look at this passage, we see that God wasn't in the wind, nor was he in the earthquake, nor was he even in the fire, which is is important because we've just seen the fire fall. And this reminds me that sometimes when we are at our lowest, God often speaks to us the softest. Sometimes it's just a word. It may not be much. It may not be allowed. But have you ever had that experience where it's just enough? A gentle whisper. Not the booming voice that that maybe God could do, but just a still, small voice. A whisper. And here's, I think as a pastor where I take so much comfort in that today, because I know that there are those of you who may not get anything from what I say, and you come into this place and you are hurting, and you may not get anything from my words, but I know that sometimes, despite my words or despite my my, my uh awkwardness at times through my words and between my words and behind my words and sometimes in my words God speaks so listen closely and you'll hear that still small voice I'm with you I haven't forgotten you I love you You're not alone. Have you heard him whisper to you lately? Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is get some rest. There's a lot of times in my life when I need to replace God's truth against the lies I've been believing. Sometimes we just have to wait and listen to hear God speak. But then I noticed that God does another thing to help Elijah get out of his depression. And this is so beautiful and meaningful to me. God gives Elijah something to do. To overcome his depression, God says, eat and rest, replace the lies with my truth. He speaks in a still small voice and then he says, Elijah, I've got something for you to do. If you look at verses 15 and 16, what's interesting to me is he says, go, go here. I want you to do this. I want you to anoint this person king over there, and I want you to do this and anoint this person, and then I want you to go and and talk with Elisha and enlist him as a prophet. In other words, go and do what prophets do, Elijah. And I think the Lord has a way of sometimes just saying to each one of us, there is something I need you to do. You feel down, you feel hopeless, you feel afraid, you're unsure, you're disappointed, you've lost your confidence, you may not even see it, but God comes along and he says, I'm not done with you yet, go back to doing what prophets do. And you say, well, Jeff, wait a second here, I'm not a prophet Well, what are you? If you're a mom, go back to doing what a good mom does. Are you a business person? Go back to doing what a a good business person will do. Are you a praying person? Then go back and pray 
as a person of God. If you're a giving person, go give. If you have a heart for service, keep on serving. Go do it and watch God bring his life back to you. And I love this passage because this is what God does. Remember Elijah had, had, had tried to strip people out of his life, push them out of his life. But God says, no, Elijah, you're not going to have to do this alone. And God gives him a gift. At the end of this chapter, God gives Elijah a new friend, a young man named Elisha. And they start doing what prophets do together. You're not alone, Elijah. This morning, this this has become meaningful to me. I thought we were going to go in a different direction this week, but as as I began to study this passage, it began to speak to me because I realized that that over these years that I've served in ministry, I've seen this man, Elijah, and I understand what it feels like to be on top of the world and then on the bottom too. Because that's a reflection all too often of the way I live. You know, after... Some of my greatest victories, a great sermon, a great Sunday. Sometimes I go home and think, Lord, I just can't go on. I'm done. And again and again over these years, God says, Jeff, you need some rest. And then he has to remind me of his truth. Jeff, I called you. I'm a child of God, he says. He, he, he loved me so much that he gave me his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. All of them. They're all covered because of what Jesus did. There is nothing that can separate me from his love. And I have the person of the Holy Spirit speaking to me and guiding me. And then God says, okay, now you go back to doing what you're called to do. And find out that I'm enough. I'm enough. This morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know how low you may be. Maybe, maybe you have taken some of those steps toward depression. This morning, I wonder, have you heard God's voice lately? He loves you. His truth is he still wants to use you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that Elijah is such a powerful example to us. That even, Lord, those who served you so admirably and victoriously even faced the challenge of depression, faced a crisis of faith. Lord, I suspect that there are some heroes in this place this morning who have maybe experienced some victories along the way, but this morning their hearts are are low. And they need you. They need a word. They need a touch. They need some rest. I pray as we end this service, Lord, that we would bask in the truth of the gospel. That we would bask in your sweet and pleasant presence. We would know that we're yours. Lord, help us in you to find life and joy and fulfillment. And may we walk out of this place knowing that you are enough. Lord, we humble ourselves even now. Father, your servants are listening. 
Will you speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Stand with me one last time as we sing to the one who is enough, who meets our every need. You are my supply, my bread.